Hello guys, Jonathan here from Arcade Repair Tips. We would just like to take a moment and thank you for listening to the audio replay of the live show here on the podcast feed. We'd also like to remind you to join our live show on the first Thursday night of every month at 5.30 p.m. Central Time. It's always a great time and we enjoy interacting with people just like you in our live chat. So be sure to make plans to be there for the next one. Remember also that we have an after show that takes place immediately after the live show. And if you'd like to listen to the audio from that, you will need to check it out on our YouTube page, which can be found at youtube.arcaderepairtips.com. So let us continue on with a short word from our sponsor, and then we'll get to the episode. Broadcasting from their world headquarters in Texas, it's the Arcade Repair Tips Live Show. The show that discusses arcade repair, restoration, news, and more. Now, here are your hosts, Tim and Jonathan. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Arcade Repair Tips show for July 2020. And Tim, this is show 41, episode 41. Been quite a few uh, that we've done now, and we're always excited to be back with you guys this month. Of course, my name is Jonathan Leung, and I'm the producer, director, and editor of the Arcade Repair Tips video series. And joining me today, as always, is Mr. Arcade Repair Tips himself, Tim Peterson. Tim, how are you? Hey, uh, I'm pretty good, John. I'll tease something uh, that we could talk about sometime. You don't even know about this. Yesterday, I made a big uh, repair mistake that cost me $325 and uh, some bumps and bruises. Oh, my goodness. $325? Yeah, it wasn't arcade-related, but it was a repair I was working on. Okay, well, what a teaser. I hope everybody stays tuned for that because it sounds like it's going to be a good story for sure. Now, before we get started, Tim, just how are you doing besides losing $325? Everything else going okay? Yeah, I can still walk and have some use of my limbs. So, uh, no, everything's good. Um, guys, if you can see, I'm in my brand new house. Uh, you might remember last month we were in the process of moving. We've almost been here a month. I've got everything unpacked, maybe not everything put up yet, but uh, definitely enjoying my new man cave. There you go. Well, I can't wait to see it in person, Tim. I still haven't seen you in person since the last live show. We're still social distancing here, especially since the number of cases has has risen here in Texas since we last spoke. So um, hopefully we can get all this under control and I can come over and check out the man cave for sure. So. Yeah, we don't have to wear a mask while podcast. I mean, a live show, do we? John? I don't think so, considering I'm in a room all by myself and you are too. I think we're probably safe, and we are obviously quarantining with family, so I think we're all okay. But uh, anyway, we hope all of you folks out there are doing okay as well. And with that in mind, Tim, I'm going to go over to the live chat, see who's here with us tonight. And I see that the regular show is here. He says hello. Um, we've got it looks like Blake is here. He says hello, and Stu is here, and of course Louis, Tim, our Facebook moderator, and uh, YouTube live chat moderators here tonight louie thanks for being here moderating the live chat for us the real hammer billy lee is here he says hey seahorses at night is here billy mitchell cheats at arcade games we're going to talk about that later right tim yeah so we'll talk about that and joe rivera is here texas is number one in number of cases that is correct so that is why we're social distancing still right tim yeah and we just had a new order jonathan we were talking about it before we came on right yes that is correct so 
Um, but uh, yeah, now we have to, like you mentioned uh, earlier, Tim, we all have to wear masks uh, now if you're going to get out and about, which I think is probably the safe thing going forward, Tim. So um, that just came down for the state of Texas. And I don't know if it is where you live, but if it is, um, good idea, guys, just to wear a mask. It's not a big deal. And, you know, makes everybody a little bit safer to do it. So, um, you yeah, know, hopefully yep. you guys will do it. Better inconvenience in the big scope of things. Absolutely. Oh, Joe also says, uh, hey, guys, miss seeing you. Missing you too, Joe. Hopefully you and your family are good. Uh, Danny is here. Nice seeing you guys again. And then we also have Diego Sanchez who says hi as well, Tim. So we have uh, quite a lively live chat. Can I say it like that? Lively live chat? So yeah. I, can, I can use some alliteration. I'm pretty good with it sometimes. But guys, we are here. We have a great selection of questions that all come from you of course and people just like you who are wanting to know how to how to repair their arcade games and remember that you can interact with us in the live chat by leaving your questions and your comments there tim we'll try to get to those as we move through the show but tim anything else before we get started real quick no let's get to it okay danny does have one more thing how many arcades does tim have in his man cave i think the answer right now is none right bro there's still some in storage um that i'm going to be dragging out pretty soon i hope but right now it's pretty bare i do have uh my son's playstation over there you might oh, there see, you it. Go. I see it <laughs> you got games just not so arcade games right on the wall <laughs> so well hopefully hopefully we'll be filling up that space with some arcade games very soon but tim let's go ahead and work into our questions for this month and the first one we have is from brandon tim i'm going to go ahead and put it up on the screen Okay. He says, hello, I am trying to improve my Street Fighter 2 arcade sound. The previous owner only had one speaker hooked up. The other speaker wires were routed to power and the marquee lamp. Can I just tap into the marquee lamp connection with the other speaker? Thanks for any tips, Brandon. Now, Tim, it sounds like what Brandon wants to do here is he actually wants to be able to, to wire up two speakers in his Street Fighter 2 cabinet, but right now he's only got one speaker hooked up. So what he's basically asking is, can he use the marquee light connection to hook up the other speaker? What do you think about that, Tim? Yeah, I don't think that that's uh, a, a good idea because most of the time, anytime you're running power to uh, speaker wires don't have voltage running through them like a marquee light would. Right. So be real careful there. Um, and it's, it's more than likely they didn't even hook up the other speaker. And uh, so we got a couple things uh, I know that he could try there. Just he could jump her off the speaker or go back to the three pin connector on the board and kind of split it. It won't be like true stereo sound. I don't know if that's what he wants without an audio amp or something, but um, it'll sound better than it does. But I don't. I wouldn't try tapping into that marquee light at all. Yeah, you see, that seems like a really bad idea. I, I think he's getting it confused. He thinks they may have reused the speaker wire, but Tim, speaker wire is really thin, and I just don't see speaker wire holding um, 120 volts AC for a very long time without it really heating up and maybe having some issues with it. And so I think he just may be confusing the the, the standard marquee wires for speaker wires. I mean, but. Most of the time, Tim, you're running your 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 um, your marquee lamp off the AC voltage, and it's going to be a little bit thicker ga gauge wire than what you have with the um, with the speaker wires, correct? Yeah, normally. Although saying that, we have seen some crazy wiring and stuff that people have done in the past. So just be careful because you know if it is uh, true uh, marquee 
customers, then they would run, be having voltage on. Absolutely. So, Tim, I'm going to go ahead and put up our slide because it pretty much encapsulates a lot of what you're talking about here. But it says, while it's possible that they did route the other speaker wires to the marquee light, it's it's probably not the case as speaker wires are usually too thin to properly carry AC voltage, kind of like we were talking about, Tim. More than likely, this cabinet just didn't have the other speaker hooked up. And, Tim, I think this is even the case in my personal Street Fighter II cabinet. I think that they did not put the, um, they did not even wire up the, the, um, the, the second speaker. Because, it, I mean, you know, wow. it's just one of those things where if you're wiring JAMA, Tim, typically you only have one speaker connection. And, you know, I mean, it's just easier to just wire up the one speaker and not worry about the second one, right? Yeah, it was probably a kit or something. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if you're just so, using a, a standard JAMA harness, you're only going to have one set of speaker wires. So, But let's talk about getting sound over to that second speaker. There's a couple of options to do that, Tim. He could jumper off the current speaker that's hooked up, kind of like you mentioned, Tim, and basically just jumper two wires from that speaker over to the second speaker. Kind of gives him a double mono sound, I guess you could say, Tim, right? I mean, we're just basically duplicating the same sound on both sides, right? Yeah. yeah. Whereas if he if he taps into that three pin CN5 connector, like you mentioned, he can get something that's pretty close to stereo. But um, the CPS one boards, Tim, didn't do true stereo. It's kind of a fake stereo, so you're still not going to get that true like split stereo sound like you'd get with like the CPS two style games. But it it will split some of the sound effects between the two, so it will give you closer to what maybe you're looking for with a true stereo sound. And all you need is Tim a little three pin Molex connector on that will work, I believe. All right. Is that what you recall? No, I do. And I actually have the picture over here, um, and Tim, I know you can't see it, but they can, where it actually shows, like, the pinouts and everything. But, yeah, there's just a little three-pin Molex that you can tap into, and it's just, you know, one's for right, left, and then you have a ground. And so, I mean, you know, you basically just wire up the, the little ground and then the right, the ground and the left, and then you're, you've got this kind of – you've got as close to stereo sound as you're going to get with a CPS-1 Street Fighter II uh, board. So – Tim, is there anything else that you want to add to Brandon's question here before we move on? No, of course, you know, um, some pictures if he has some that, you know, if he wants to show us some more details and he really thinks it's wired up like that, we'd be glad to look at them. Sounds good. Now, Tim, I've got a really good view of your Pac-Man shirt, but not so good of your face. So, <laughs> and there we go. Hey, there he is, guys. So, I'm glad you're wearing a Pac-Man shirt, though. I like that. It's very nice, so. But, uh, yeah, I think you're right, Tim. If he needs any any additional help, he can get in contact with us, and we can go from there. But uh, your options pretty much at this point, Brandon, like we mentioned, just either uh, send another set of cables over from the current speaker to your second speaker, if you want to hook it up that way, or tap into the CN5 connector on the board to get that semi-true stereo sound, and you should be in good shape. If you have any additional questions, please let us know, and good luck getting that Street Fighter II sound on that second speaker up and running. Okay, Tim, let's see what else we got here. Anything new in the live chat? It looks like we're, at this point, it looks like we're caught up on the live chat. So I'm going to go ahead and move on to our next question, which is from Chuck. So let's go ahead and read that one. Hello, would you know how to troubleshoot an Operation Thunderbolt positional gun game? My issue is that the guns are pointing to the upper right-hand corner and are not able to aim at the center of the screen. I tried putting the machine into test mode and calibrating, but the guns are stuck pointing around the corner. Or around around the right corner. Also, please let me know if there's any place where we can leave tips as a thank you for your assistance. Thanks, Chuck. So, Tim, um, this is a good opportunity for us to plug how people can donate, right? I mean, since we, since Chuck asked how he could before we get into it. Of course, if people are watching this live, there is a nice little um, dollar sign button that's right at the bottom where you would type in your text for the live chat. And you can always click that and donate there. 
Or if you're watching this after the fact and would still like to donate to Arcade Repair Tips, you can go to arcaderepairtips.com slash donate and send us some money there. We appreciate all of your support. All of it goes to help uh, Arcade Repair Tips and arcade-related um, businesses lately, Tim, because we've also been buying T-shirts and things from different uh, different uh, arcades and vendors to help them out during this time. So we appreciate all donations. Thank you guys in advance for those. Now, Tim, with that said, we've got Chuck here with an Operation Thunderbolt, and he's having problems with the guns, and it seems like the guns are always moving to the upper right-hand corner of the screen, no matter what. So, how can, and he's even tried calibrating and getting into test mode, but he still, still the guns want to stay in that same position. What do you think is going on with Chuck's Operation Thunderbolt guns? Uh-oh, I lost audio. Tim, still there? Hello? Can you hear me? I got you now. Okay, so I lost you there for a second. Okay, well, I'll start over from the beginning there. Well, Operation Thunderbolt works a lot like a lot of newer games. I'm thinking like Let's Go Jungle or Alien Extermination. They don't use the, the typical light uh, optical. They use a potentiometer base. So, in other words, there's two pots. One's for left and right. One's for up and down. And when either one of them, you'll see that it'll just go. A lot of times it's a wiring issue to one of those pots. Right. But the pots go bad or the gears are stripped or something like that. Um, I know that, John, I think on your slide you're going to show kind of a breakdown of it. And if you want to bring that up, that's okay. Yeah, I'll go ahead and do it. Um, you can keep talking. Yeah. So as you can see, at the very bottom down there is one, and there'll be one up inside uh, the gun also. Um, you see number one, number two right there. But so what you, those are the wirings, but the pot's down there at the bottom. And so what you got to do is you're going to have to take that gun apart. The problem is, man, um, I know there's some detailed drawings of this somewhere. Really pay attention when you take it apart. Take some good pictures and stuff because they're kind of fun to put back together, but I would really, really look into the wiring of those. So, Tim, what we have here, of course, um, and you mentioned there's good drawings. If you look at the manual, Tim, and we actually have a link to the manual here on the slide again. You can't see it, but the people at home can. There's a um, there's a link to the manual, and you guys can see it. You guys can also click it in the show description down below. But the manual has a great diagram, and I've got a picture of this diagram here that shows where the X and Y potentiometers are for the gun. And, Tim, I'm going to go ahead and read what we have here because you pretty much covered most of, of it at this point. Okay. But the guns on Operation Thunderbolt are potentiometer based unlike many light gun games which are optical based these light guns use potentiometers or pots to tell the game the position of the target in relation to the screen there are two pots for each gun one for the x-axis and one for the y like tim mentioned right to left and up to down please check the pots on your gun to make sure they are performing properly now tim mentioned checking the wiring first that's very important but tim we've also seen these pots go bad correct yeah they, they can go bad you can read them with the meter Right, so you can read the values of the meter. And Tim, the manual for this game says that the pots are 5K pots, so 5K ohm pots. And so when he moves them and has his meter on it, they should move from 1K to 5K, depending on you know how much of, of which direction he's trying to move it. But he should get a range of 1K to 5K when he's moving it. If you're not getting that range, Chuck, then more than likely the potentiometer is bad, probably needs to be replaced. The good news is that the 5K potentiometers are usually pretty cheap, right, Tim? Yeah, and they're still available. 
Right, so you can still get them. It's not, they're still around. I mean, you don't have to worry about not getting these parts because 5K parts are used in a lot, for a lot of other di different applications besides light guns, right? Yeah. The, the only thing you got to watch out for is the diameter of the shaft or how long the shaft is. Right. Sometimes you have to do a little mod self-modification if it's too long. Yeah. It's better we, to be too long. I was about to say, we've seen that with different games where we've had to modify the shaft a little bit in order to get it to, to fit right where it's supposed to fit. Because a lot of times, Tim, there's a little gear on the end that, you know, um, that when the gun moves, it's basically turning a gear that's turning the potentiometer, correct? Right. It'd be two gears a lot of times. Right. A gear attached to the potentiometer and then something on the gun. I can't, I haven't worked on Operation Thunderbolt for so long, I can't quite remember but the two gears work together, and that turns your pot. Right, exactly. And so you may have to modify the end of the potentiometer or get a longer shaft potentiometer, depending on what you have. Um, a lot of times, Tim, the, the manual has the part numbers in it, and I think this may be the case with Operation Thunderbolt. If not, there are some places you could probably look up, or you could probably call HAP, to be honest with you, and they could probably tell you what you're looking for. But um, if you do need to replace those, um, they're not very expensive. You can get them fairly reasonable. But check the manual for some part numbers and things like that, Chuck, and that should help you if you do indeed need to replace them. So, Tim, anything? else for chuck here before we move on no i don't think so okay sounds good so chuck hopefully that answers your question check the manual for the operation thunderbolt uh, for more information about your pots but measuring the pots with with your multimeter when you set to ohms will tell you whether or not they're working properly if if things are changing if the value is changing when you move the gun right to left and up and down uh, when you're checking those pots then your pots are probably in good shape may need to check the wiring if the values are not changing then you may have to replace the pots so um, hopefully answers your question, and good luck getting your Operation Thunderbolt guns back up and running. Okay, Tim. Uh, director Show says, good gun question. I am having an issue with my Ranger mission guns and don't really know where to start besides test mode, di diagnostics, calibration. The left gun doesn't even seem to be working. Yeah, so I'm not sure about Ranger mission in particular there, Regzer, but if it's anything like Operation Thunderbolt, it's probably potentiometer-based, and you'll need to replace those potentiometers, so... I feel like, Tim, you're kind of hiding. I just see your eyes right now. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's okay. You may, um, Tim, yeah. unfortunately, had to move to his phone because um, we were having problems with his laptop. So if you're having to hold it, Tim, you may have to find a good spot to kind of lean it against so that way you don't have to hold it the whole time. I don't want you to be miserable, so. Let me see if I can. How about hey, that? Hey, that looks great. Perfect. Love it. Uh, let's see. Michael says, Atari race driving at startup shows poly buff, uh, poly buff error. Going into test menu bypasses error and causes, uh, bypasses error causes question marks. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Um, uh, I'm not sure exactly what Michael's trying to say there. I assume he's getting a poly buffer error on race driving, which is a board related issue, Tam. Which could be it could be um, attributed to RAM issues, but it's really hard to tell without um, without knowing a little bit more additional information about that error. And I'm not as familiar with race driving as you may be. Uh, are you pretty familiar with the Atari race driving? Check his power and make sure that it's correct. If not, then he definitely has some kind of board issue. He's probably going to have to get repaired. Yeah, if you're having buffer issues, a lot of times it has to do with um, with RAM issues. A lot of times, not always, but that can be a cause. So you may have some RAM on the board that you need to replace. So that is uh, something to check. So, uh, But other than that, Tim mentioned check your power. Make sure you're getting good power. That's very important to boards. Boards will do some really funky things if they're not getting good power. Um, but um, if you want to send some screenshots, too, of kind of what you're talking about, uh, Michael, you can always send them to questions at arcaderepairtips.com. Let's check that out. Uh, let's see what else. 
Oh, he says, um, going into test mode bypasses the error. Okay, that's what he says. So that's from Michael. He says it gets a poly buffer error, but but if he goes into the test menu, it'll bypass it and it'll work. So, okay. so basically he can bypass that error and the game still works okay. So it could just be a, a area of cor- corrupt memory to where it's just not being accessed as much. And so it's not as big a deal. You're still able to play the game even though you're getting that that error but if you can run any kind of ram test or something on that board i would recommend it to see if it kicks back any any kind of um issues with any of those ram chips so that'd be my that'd be my suggestion what about you tim yeah i think you're exactly right john okay so i mean that's something to consider if you have additional problems let us know michael and we'll try to help you out we'll do some research on it too because like i said race driving is definitely not one of the games i'm as familiar with tim probably has more familiarity with it than i do so um but um i, I think we could probably figure it out get you know just give us a, a holler via email if you continue to have trouble with it uh let's see station 240 says also consider linear versus logarithmic uh, pots you want linear yes that is correct you want linear so make sure you're using lim- linear pots on the operation thunderbolt right tim I don't think he heard me. Right, Tim? Okay. Sorry. That's okay. <laughs> so I know, like I said, we kind of got a makeshift tonight because we had to put Tim on his phone. So hopefully we can get through this okay with this. But, uh, Tim, I think we're caught up on the live chat. So let's go ahead and move up to our next question from Scott. And Scott says, hello. So not to take up too much of your time, I will try to keep this short. Hopefully not too short. I have a San Francisco Rush The Rock Alcatraz edition with a Neotech 2701 monitor. My picture is washed out and cloudy with no real color. My Heathkit tester rejuvenator shows a short. The Heathkit manual reads, the short light should not light. If it does, there's a short in one of the guns and the monitor should be replaced. My short light is on. I keep reading on forms, do not replace your monitor, fix it, keep it original. Is it possible to fix an old CRT? Or do I need to replace the monitor? Thanks, Scott from Vancouver, Canada. So, Tim, we have Scott from Vancouver, Canada here. And he's got a San Francisco the, uh, Rush the Rock Alcatraz edition that has this Neotech monitor in it. But his tube rejuvenator is showing that there is a short in one of the guns. So, with that in mind, Tim, what do you think Scott needs to do? Is it really just time to replace the monitor? Or is there something else that we can do to get this game working? Well... You know, I'm not too familiar with that type of rejuvenator, but there should be a way to run, even though it finds a short, that you can try to fix a short with the rejuvenator. And that's about his last hope, because if it doesn't, then uh, he's going to have to replace the two. Right. Now, and that's something that he didn't really mention, Tim. He kind of mentioned that he could replace the monitor, but he didn't really think about replacing the tube. At this point, if your chassis is working and you've got a, a short in your tube, you, it is, I mean, it is very, very possible that you could just get a replacement tube and put it in there and it should work fine, correct? Correct. And that may be more uh, trouble than it's worth at this point. He may just want to buy a new monitor. Right. It really just depends because sometimes tracking down a compatible tube can be difficult. As I mean, Tim, you know, we, we know that as well, that sometimes, especially right now with CRT monitors being in, in short supply, sometimes finding a replacement tube can be difficult. And so going the replacement monitor route, replacing the whole thing is not a bad idea. But if you're wanting to keep it as original as possible, it may be time to see if you can find a tube that will be compatible with your chassis so Tim let's talk about that for a second I'm gonna go ahead and put this uh, slide up so um, based on the information from your tube tester rejuvenator and like Tim mentioned we're really not familiar with that one in particular but it does sound like you have a short based on what it's reading 
You can try to clear the short, like we talked about, but at this point it'd probably be best just to get a replacement tube. The key is to make sure that the yoke readings and neckboard connection on the new tube match your Neotech 2701 chassis. From our research, the yoke readings should be around um, 8.1 ohms on the vertical and uh, 0.5 ohms on the horizontal. And Tim, uh, he, there's a lot more information on tube swapping from the junknet.net website. As you know, Tim, we, we've recommended this website quite a bit. It's got a lot of good stuff. And even though the website itself is down, there is it's still on the Internet Archive. And so, Tim, we have a link here that will actually take you to the old junknet.net on the Internet Archive, which um, which has all the information oh. about tube swapping that you that you should need to do it. So, But like, I, like me and Tim mentioned, the hardest part of tube swapping is finding a compatible tube, right? Yes. Yeah. So just trying trying to find one can sometimes be tricky, and like to, and like we mentioned, of course you can replace your monitor with another one if you don't want to deal with the tube swapping. And, and I mean, you can clear the short Tim, like you mentioned, you can try to clear it, but that doesn't always work, right? No. It seems like maybe half the time it works. Right. So I mean, just because I mean, you know, you can try that, but more than likely, it's probably about time to replace it. And it just you know, over time, guys, tubes do wear out. I mean, and and Tim, we've mentioned this before, tubes are probably the most reliable part of a monitor, but over time they are going to, I mean, you know, after so many thousands and thousands of hours of being run, more than likely you're going to run into a problem, right? Yeah. So, I mean, it's not, don't think of a tube uh, going bad as, as, um, as a, I mean, it is a, more of a rarity than like the chassis going, going bad, for instance, but it definitely happens. So if, if this is the case with yours, like we mentioned, you may want to try to look for a replacement tube or maybe just swap the monitor out entirely. And Tim, I know that, People are reluctant to do that. Like we said, we always talk about that we want to, um, we'd rather, uh, you know, fix it than replace it. But sometimes fixing it is not, is not an option, right? Right. You'd rather play it. <laughs> exactly. That's a great point, Tim. I'd rather play the game than not play the game. So if you have to replace it with an LCD, it's not the end of the world. Tim, there are some larger form uh, CRTs still available for sale, right? Yes, that's the good news, is that it's probably a bigger monitor that he can still get. Right, exactly. So if it is a larger monitor that you're looking for, you can still get larger monitor CRTs. 27 inches are still pretty common, Tim, and, and can be purchased new from several, several distributors. So, I mean, you're not out of the woods yet as far as using CRTs, but it does sound like if you're going to fix this particular monitor, you're probably going to have to go the tube swap route. Tim, anything else for Scott here before we move on? No, I don't think so. Just uh, he more than likely. I mean, he can surely keep us up to date with what's going on, though. We'd like to help him some more. Absolutely. So, Scott, hopefully it answers your question. And good luck uh, repairing your San Francisco The Rush arcade game, regardless of which way you end up going, whether it's tube swap or if you go with an all-new monitor. So. Okay, let's see. Danny's in here. Timmy says, I finally got a golden tea cabinet that used to have... Uh, they used to have Silver Strike Bowling in it before. Do you know where I could get a switcher to have both games in it? Tim, I think you can pretty much use a standard switcher on these. I don't think you need anything special. There is a there is a switcher that is made to switch between Silver Strike and Golden Tee, but if I remember correctly, it's pretty expensive, right? Yeah, it seems like it was... Oh, uh, or 400 Gosh, I don't remember. Yeah, I was saying $300, and it just... You don't necessarily need to have a particular one as any JAMA switcher should do That's what it. I was thinking, too. I think that the the the, um, the one that's made for it does make it nice. I think it's just a little push button that goes in the control panel, and it works pretty well. But um, but you, I think you can pretty much use any JAMA switcher, and it'll work, Tim. But um, if you want to get the official one, it is going to cost a little bit more. So um, it's just kind of up to you, Danny, as to which way you want to go. So. 
Delusional's Arcade is here. He says hi, everyone. And he says he has an entire playlist on tube swaps. Um, his, he says his Rejuvenator removes shorts. And that's what we mentioned, Tim. You could try to clear the short with your Rejuvenator, remove the short. Sometimes that works, sometimes it doesn't. Yeah, most do. Yeah. So, I mean, it just, it just, uh, it depends. And it depends on the age of your tube, though. Some, like, I think you mentioned, Tim, it's about a 50 50, right? Yeah, I think so. that's kind of what our look has been. So, there you go. So, you could try clearing the short for sure. Um, but it doesn't always work. It just kind of depends. So, um, Regzer Show does confirm it's $400 for the um, Incredible Technology Switcher. So, for that one, it is $400. Okay. And yeah, it is pricey. The reason why, Tim, is it is probably the easiest of the options to, to use for that. But again, you're going to pay for that easy option, right? Right. So, there you go. So, I okay, Tim, I think that gets us caught up on the live chat. Yep. So let us go ahead and move on to our next question. And Tim, it is from Andy. And Andy says, I just bought an Arch Rivals cabinet and it worked when I bought it. After the mover moved it in, I powered the game up. You can And you can hear the screen start to warm up, but it blows a fuse on the transformer where the cord goes in. I can fix a Harley, but I, I am at a loss on this. Will you help? So, Tim, we got Andy here. He's got an Arch Rivals basketball-style game. Not not quite a little bit before NBA Jam, Tim, but still a very popular game. And so he he, um, he bought the game. It was working, right? And then he moved in and stopped working. This this uh, sounds like a very familiar uh, <laughs> uh, circumstance, right, Tim? Yes. Happens it, a lot. Now, th- now, this is a little bit different, though, in that before, it, before they moved it, it worked. But now when they move it, it's blowing a fuse on the transformer where the cord goes in. So right where the cord goes in, apparently, it is blowing a fuse. So, Tim, what do you think is going on with Andy's Arch Rivals arcade game? Well, very easily, something could have got damaged, particularly the cord, uh, in the move. So a lot of times, you know, when if we have an opportunity, we will unplug the cord and uh, put it inside the game. A lot of times, you don't always have that option. But we... We definitely have damaged our share of cords by moving games. So that's definitely a place to start. And you can, uh, or you can just replace the cord to be, uh, if you're not sure. But that's where I would check. But just because um, cord may not be the problem, though, everything gets jostled around in there. And sometimes it's just something really simple. It sounds like there's a short somewhere is touching, something's touching something. I can even remember moving a game before and like a coin or something will be down in the bottom would just slide across and be touching across a fuse or something. So, yeah, just really it's very good. But I, I would definitely be that chord sounds very suspect. Yeah. And Tim, something that we should remind everybody who's ever bought a game is that if when you buy it, open up the back of the cabinet and secure everything before you move it. Um, this is very, I know it's very simple, but you'd be surprised how many games are not, you know, are not, the, the items are not secured in it when, um, when, uh, when you move it. Like the board will be loose, like you mentioned before, or the, um, uh, or, you know, the cord will cut, or, you know, wiring will just start moving all over the place, whatever the case may be. So guys, if you're buying an arcade game, make sure you secure everything in the arcade game before you move it. That really does cut down on the number of problems that you have going forward. But Tim, I, obviously it does sound like there's a short somewhere here in Andy's Arch Rivals game. So, I mean, the question is where, like you mentioned, could be in the court, could be somewhere else, but we're going to have to open up the back and trace it down, right? Yeah. So let's go ahead and put up the, I'll put it up the slide here, Tim. And it says, from your description, it does sound like there is a short somewhere in the power section of your cabinet. Could be somewhere else. 
Um, but um, start off this repair by checking the cord, Tim, like you mentioned. Make sure it's got a good connection. You can check for shorten the cord by using the continuity check on your multimeter between the um, AC hot and neutral wires. If you want to do that, Tim, it's not a bad idea. Just to make sure, just kind of to eliminate the cord. That's always a big part of it. If the cord checks out, trace down the wire, where the wiring goes after it leaves the fuse and check for shorts at that point as well. Make sure that you have the correct fuse value, Tim, as well, because you may be putting a, um, a, a too low an amperage fuse in a higher amperage slot. For instance, Tim, if it's a four amp fuse, but you're putting two amp fuses in there, it may blow more, co more often, right? For sure. Yes. Yeah, so Can you hear me? Yeah, go ahead. Something that uh, we should mention is, you know, he did, sounds like a move, like I experienced, Jonathan. And I'm in here in my shop, and down in the floor, I got one plug that's 220. Oh. So no matter what you plugged into there, it would blow. Uh, so, you know, he also needs to check, just run a vacuum, plug a vacuum cleaner or a hair dryer or something in, make sure uh, that it's not... His new place where he's trying to plug it in, though, you have bad sockets, too. Yeah, exactly, Tim. Very common. Um, but the other thing, Tim, I wanted to mention, too, is that you, in one of your uh, tech tips a couple months back, recommended the arcade circuit breakers, right? Yes. So you have, fact, have you had I a just, chance to try those? Probably not, since you've been moving and everything. I have not, but I really like them, and I think that uh, those would be a great thing. I think I have one right here. Oh, look at you. <laughs> So um, while you go find those, I am going to show everybody. We've got the link up right now. If you guys go to that link, you can order the arcade circuit breakers. But basically what they keep you from doing is they keep you from going through like a whole thing of fuses whenever um, you have a, a problem like this you're trying to track down. And so Tim actually has one. We're going to bring up the, the video here. There you go. So what uh, amperage is that one, Tim? Uh, let's see. 20 amp. Okay, so yeah, that's a big that's the big one. So you got a 20 amp, but they come um, it, the whole set comes with one for pretty much every amperage, right? Yeah, it's all different kinds of amperages. So you just put in whichever one is the one that uh, for your particular fuse or whatever and uh, it it pretty much acts just like the fuse except you don't blow a fuse every time. You just pop the circuit breaker, you reset the circuit and you can check back to see if you have any more problems, right? Yeah. So pretty we, cool. you know, Game, uh, what's that game with the, oh rabbits of hollywood we were working on that we couldn't figure out it kept blowing fuses we had a whole box of fuses and we would unplug gun number one unplug gun number two but tr trying to track down where it was and uh then that's when we got these little things and this really saved a lot of because they were like um the mini fuses and they were literally like two dollars a piece and we probably went through 20 of them so, you know, all of a sudden it got really costly and this would have saved a lot of money. Absolutely. So highly recommend the arcade circuit breakers for your problem, Andy, so that way you're not having to go through a million fuses. Um, you know, Delusional is also here, Tim, and he says um, it does sound like a short. Um, unplug the monitor connector. We've done that before, right? So if you unplug the monitor yeah. connector and then put a fuse in, and that will eliminate whether or not the issue is in the monitor or not. Uh, Tim, a lot of times we work back backwards, though. We like to work from the fuse and then kind of go and trace whatever the things are on that fuse line to see where it's going and then see if we, we just notice any problems, right? Right. You know, using our ears and our eyes, uh, but a lot of times we'll do that, unplug the monitor, unplug the board, see if it's, um, you know, without the game board, if it if it blows and you know without the monitor does it blow uh you know you can narrow it down pretty quick that way absolutely so uh, tim do you have anything else for andy here before we move on 
No, I don't think so. Sounds good. So Andy, hopefully answered your question. And like we mentioned, you may want to get you a set of the Arcade Circuit Breakers, and there's a link down below in the show notes for this if you want to order those. Or just get you a whole bunch of fuses. And what you want to do is, like we mentioned, kind of trace down the wiring, see if you can find any shorts, put a new fuse in, turn it back on, see if it blows the fuse, and then just kind of work through and, and see if you can identify things. You may try unplugging the board, unplugging the monitor, put a new good fuse in, and then turn it back on, see if it blows that one. That'll give you an idea of where the problem is as well. So Andy, hopefully that answers your question, and good luck getting your arch rivals back up and running. And Tim is very proud of your, you're very proud of your arcade circuit breakers, I see. Yeah, you need to get one. Yeah, These are Troxel cool. Repair, right? Troxel Repair is where you got this from? Yeah, yeah, and that's the link that we have there. So if you're going to go there, they're not very expensive, Tim. I can't remember what the price is off the top of my head, but they're they're well worth the money, I promise. I mean, but... They have like for a whole set. It comes with a bunch of them. $20 for a whole set? Is that what you said? I think so. Okay. So absolutely worth it, guys, if you're going to be um, troubleshooting uh, games a lot. Uh, they help. They ha they're great for pinball machines as well, right, Tim? Yes. So there we go. So hopefully answer your, your question. And good luck with your Arch Rivals game, Andy. Keep us posted. Okay, Tim, let us move on. We've got, uh, I think we're caught up on the live chat. I will say something that Delusional said. He said, games love to be played and hate to be moved. <laughs> and that is very true. Love to be played, hate to be moved. And uh, Tim, there's so many, uh, we've answered so many questions over the years and it seems like the vast majority of them started start something like, game was working fine and then we moved it and, uh, and then problems ensued. So guys, be careful when you're moving your games. And like we mentioned at the beginning of the question earlier, Open up a game when you buy it and make sure everything is secure. It'll save you a bunch of headaches going forward. So, Okay, Tim, let us move to Blake. And here is Blake's question. Hello, I have an NBA Jam cabinet I bought from a local university a few years ago. It needs some repair work, and I researched arcade repair when I bought it. Even though, it's, even though I tucked it away for several years, I watched your videos and read articles trying to learn as much as I could. Basically, what might be the origin of a cabinet like this? It's not an original NBA, it's not original NBA Jam artwork, maybe a converted cabinet, he says. Um, I was hoping you could give me an idea of what I'm dealing with here aesthetically as I'm considering completely rehauling the decal and paint job. Thank you for your time, Blake. Now, Tim, Blake actually sent us a video via YouTube. You commented on that video already, but I'm going to show the pictures of this cabinet for the folks at home so they can see it. And okay. like Blake mentions, Tim, it is not an original NBA Jam, is it? No. No. This was probably, it looks like it was a converted four-player cabinet of some sort. We're not exactly sure what. But, Tim, why don't you give us a rundown of your thoughts real quick before we, um, before we, before we move on with the slide. Well, I was also curious if this is Blake that's in the chat room tonight. I think it may be. Um, I saw him here earlier. So, Blake, if you're here, um, thanks for joining us tonight. And uh, this is your question. So there you go. Yeah, so what this, yes, this looks like definitely a conversion kit, um, which is okay because, you know, that the idea was to help you quickly transfer this Konami cabinet, whether it be Turtles or whatever it was, uh, into a different game. So they didn't really send a full artwork or anything. And um, it, you notice that NBA logo. Even the ICE game still uses that today. Yeah, the one the side of the uh, cabinet you're talking about? Yeah, it's just a licensed NBA logo. But it's nothing spectacular. So by all means, I would um, I would take it off there. And if you wanted some dedicated or 
make up some artwork yourself, I think that would look cool on this game. Now, Tim, the thing that I noticed is that even though it's not a dedicated NBA Jam, you know, the art, the size of the cabinet is super duper close to it. And so it is possible yeah. that the um, the original artwork may fit on this cabinet, right? Yeah. And if it um, if you have to trim it a little or something, or if it's not just 100%, um, that'd be okay, you know. I think it would still look really good on here. And I also think, I mean, some of these, some of the artwork guys we recommend, Tim, may be willing to um, to, to size it, to size the actual um, dedicated artwork to the cabinet. So if you sent them the dimensions of your cabinet, they may be able to size it so that it fits perfectly. But I mean, it's real close, Tim. The, the main thing that makes it different from a dedicated is that most of the dedicated NBA jams I've seen only have two coin slots, whereas this has the four coin slots. And so that's what makes us yeah. think that it's really just some sort of generic four-player cabinet, right? I think so. There you go. So, so Tim, uh, I've got the slide here. Is there anything else you wanted to comment on before I throw that up? No, if he's in the chat room has some additional questions, we'd like to answer them. He is in here, so I do say he says, yes, I'm here. So there you go. Um, and um, it looks like the real hammer, Billy Lee, also agrees with us. Konami four-player cabinet is what it looks like. And I think that's, when I first saw it, Tim, that's pretty much where my thoughts first went as well. So... Um, and somebody and uh, Blake said, "Could could there be nice artwork underneath the black paint?" Well, we're about to get to that, right, Tim? Yes, there definitely could be, and I'd be interested to see what's under there. Absolutely. So let me—I've got the slide up here, Tim. Let me go ahead and read that. So, like we mentioned, it does not seem like a dedicated NBA Jam cabinet. It does look more like a conversion job. And Tim, I, I just want to explain this. Back in the day, operators would take a cabinet of a game that had stopped making money. So, like, let's say this was a Ninja Turtles, and for some reason, the Ninja Turtles wasn't making good money anymore. And then they would buy an NBA Jam kit, and they would install it in this cabinet. These kits include a new board and usually just some some artwork, Tim, but not a whole lot. And that's what we see here. I think we have an NBA Jam logo at the top of the cabinet, and then we have just the generic NBA logo on the side, like you mentioned. So um, the operators would paint the cabinet black. They would throw the new decals on, put the marquee in, put the board in, and basically it was ready to go, right? Yeah. So there you go. This particular cabinet, though, does look um, like it was a different four-player game, and just like uh, the Real Hammer Billy Lee mentioned, uh, it does look like it was a Konami game, four-player at one time. The artwork for that game may still be under the paint. You can use Citrus Strip or a similar product to remove it, and like we mentioned, Tim, the original NBA Jam artwork may fit. So uh, there you go, Tim. Like we mentioned, under that black paint, Tim, I'm I'm pretty sure there's probably some artwork under there. The question is what? Could be Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Could be Cowboys and Moon Mesa. Could be, let's see, what are some other great four-player Konami games? Vendetta, Bucky O'Hare. Can I pull that one out? How about that one, Tim? Uh, let's see. Um, X-Men, right? Simpsons. Could be any of those. And so um, there's no telling what it is until you take some citrus strip to it and you start doing it. And Tim, as you and I both know, lots of elbow grease, right? Yeah, we did a cabinet just like that. And it ended up being a Cowboys of Moon Mesa. We ended up making a main cabinet out of it. That's correct. So um, you can, yeah. So there's all sorts of Konami four-player games that that probably could be. But the only way to know would be to strip it off there. Now, Blake's here. He says, um, so it's not Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. It's just blank. Oh, I mean, you know, who knows? It could be anything, right, Tim? I mean, it could be Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles under there. There's probably some artwork under there if we had to guess. And um, Citrus Strip. Citrus Strip would definitely help with it. X-Men could be under there for sure. Um, I'm trying to... Man, golly. There's so many four-player Konami games that it could be, Tim. It, it's hard. It could be a um, Turtles in Time. 
right? Even though Trolls yeah. in Time's a little bit newer, um, it, it's possible. There's a lot of four-player Konami cabinets that it could be. So it does look like one of those. But if you end up stripping it, Blake, let us know which one you find under there because we're curious too, right? That's a mystery now. Yeah. That's right. Uh, Delusional says, I saw a video of a guy using Gorilla Tape to remove the paint. I'm still skeptical, but I need to try it before I dismiss it. Yeah, I never tried Gorilla Tape, but the Citrus Strip works really well. It just takes a lot of elbow grease. So if if, the, if somebody uses the Gorilla Tape and, and it works, let us know. Um, Real Hammer Billy Lee says, it could be Crime Fighters um, as well. Another four-player Konami game, Tim. So many four-player four-player Konami game, so um, it could be any of those, uh, but if whatever it is, um, Blake, if you end up stripping it, go ahead and let us know. Citrus Strip is what you want to use, Tim. It seems to be the best product for that, so uh, get you some. You can get that Home Depot, Lowe's, a local home improvement store, wherever you're at. Get some Citrus Strip and see if you can strip it off with that and let us know what's underneath, but... Um, Let's see. He says, thanks, guys. I really appreciate the help. I'll let you know. So there you go, Tim. We'll get an update on what's under Blake's cabinet. If anybody else wants to take any guesses, um, uh, Tim, I don't know what the odds are for any of them, but, um, you know, I'm sure we can figure up some uh, some based on the number of cabinet sales or something. So, uh, but uh, I, my personal would be probably, uh, I might be leaning Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles just because, but uh, I guess we'll find out. Blake, keep us posted and let us know. Somebody said G.I. Joe possible mystic warriors possible um sunset riders forgot about sunset riders could definitely be sunset riders so um a lot of possibilities there blake for you and it's going to be exciting to see what it is once you start peeling it off so like i said keep us posted let us know we'll keep all the viewers posted as well once you let us know so everybody will know what you found under that black paint because tim that's the operator black that you see on pretty much every cabinet from that time period right they actually did a really good job, a high-gloss black, too. I saw that. Yeah, it looks really nice. I mean, the conversion obviously went really well. Tim, uh, Tim it also looks like they may have used some chrome T-molding on it as well. Gave it a little bit of a pop here. I'm just going to go ahead and show that picture again so you guys can see it. But you see that chrome T-molding, Tim? That always that always classes up in arcade, right? Yeah. <laughs> so get that chrome on there. Got my chrome. So, uh, but anyway, that's uh, good stuff right there. So, um, Blake, just keep us posted. Let us know. And, um, and uh, like I said, we'll update the audience once once uh, we hear from you. So, okay, who else is in here? YouTube Punk says, what did I miss? I guess he's just now here. Thanks for joining us, YouTube Punk. You didn't miss much. Just like four or five questions, right, Tim? Yeah, just a few. That's right, just a few. About five. And now, Tim, we're to our rapid fire questions from YouTube that we do every month. And so, Tim, we got three this month that we're going to go over with the audience. All these come from our YouTube channel. And so, Tim, let's go ahead and take a look at those. From Arcade One Up Official L. Now, in this, Tim, this is on our video on wiring an arcade cabinet using the JAMA standard. He says, How did you get a VGA board to run with a CRT monitor? Okay, so that's, that's the uh, question from Arcade One Up Official L. Marilyn asks, I locked my key inside my arcade cabinet. How can I get a spare key? Very common question, Tim. We'll talk about that. And then Matt Blaze, 1477, says, I've got a Donkey Kong arcade cabinet in my basement. I just noticed the other day I can't get anything on the screen, but I can still hear the game playing when I hit the start button. Playing blind, I think it's called. What can I do to fix this? Any tips? So, Tim, let's take these one at a time, kind of rapid fire like we normally would. So, Arcade 1UP Official L says, how did you get a VGA board to run on a CRT monitor? Tim, uh, you want to explain to him how we did that? 
Well, we did it simply because we had a 60 and one that supports it. Sure, and we had a tri-sync monitor, right, Tim? And that also helps. Yeah. So um, the 60 and one has native VGA output, so it'll, it can go to a VGA monitor quite easily. And then the arcade monitor we had, Tim, was a tri-sync monitor, which a lot of the monitors nowadays, if you do buy a CRT, are tri-syncs, which means that they work with standard, medium, and VGA resolutions. And so um, this particular monitor had a VGA input on it. So basically we just ran the VGA output from the 61 board, VGA input to the monitor, and it works just like a computer monitor, no other requirements needed. Now we could have wired it up with uh, through the JAMA harness with the 15 kilohertz TIM, that would have worked as well since it's a tri-sync, but we wanted to keep things easy. We were doing this from scratch and so we hooked up the VGA cable instead, correct? Right. So there you go. I mean, it's not, like I said, not rocket science, but there are some other ways that you can accomplish that. We'll talk about that here in just a sec. Now, Tim, we had Marilyn here, and she says she locked her key inside her arcade cabinet. Can she get a spare key? Yes. So uh, what does she need to do in order to do that? Well, here's the deal. Um, you know, we don't know where she got her game from, but on the key, there could be some numbers. And if there's numbers on there, from half or somewhere like that they might can do it but more than likely everybody out there has their own numbers and that game could have came from four states away so she may have to replace the lock like we show uh, we have a video replacing a coin door lock but it is possible somebody out there has those keys it depends on where it came from and if she can track that down to where she came from in fact if somebody was to come up and say, hey, I found a game that was owned by Barcade Entertainment. It says it's a 2493. I would probably have a spare. Sure. But the chances of that are, are slim, uh, especially after it's been hauled to auction all over the United States. So more than likely, you're just going to have to replace that lock. But that's the good news. It's not hard to do. And they're not very expensive. There you go. And then Tim, we have Matt Blaze, fourteen seventy-seven, playing blind Donkey Kong cabinet. Can you can you give uh, Matt any advice on his issue? Yeah, that's exactly what we call a blind, probably a Sanyo or Starboard. You can check the pieces of the dial along with the hot fly bag, but you know it's going to have to have it more prepared. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's definitely a monitor chassis issue. And like you mentioned, Tim, it could be a Sanyo. It could be a Sharp. Kind of hard to tell um, without seeing it. But, um, and Mo Tim, we see more Sanyos than Sharps. So, I mean, I'd probably lean Sanyo. But, um, Tim, I mean, there's a lot of different things in your place. We'll talk about that here in a second. But you mentioned, um, you know, check the fuses, check the diodes, power supply section of the of the monitor chassis, and, of course, the hot and the flyback, like we show in our video on troubleshooting games that are playing blind. So, Tim, let's go ahead and move over those questions one more time with the outline. So for Arcade 1UP Official L, like we mentioned in this video, we use a 60-in-1 board that supports native VGA output, and the monitor we use is a tri-sync, which had native VGA input. So, I mean, it made it really easy for us to hook it up with the VGA output, not a whole lot of trouble. But, Tim, if you wanted to do this with a standard monitor, you could always use a video converter board, correct? Correct. Yeah, so the video converter boards we're not huge fans of, but they do work. They're cheap. And uh, you can basically hook the VGA input to it and then put out the 15 kilohertz output that you need for a standard arcade CRT. So um, that is always an option to the Gombas, whatever it is, 8200 series or whatever it is. Uh, you can get that board for about 30 or $40 and do it that way as well. Marilyn, like Tim mentioned, if you know the model or the number of the lock you have or the key, then you can get a replacement. But in most cases, you're going to be better off drilling out the lock and replacing it, just like we show in our video on replacing a coin door lock. So check out that video. 
we drill out the lock, we take off the existing lock, we replace it with a new one with a key, and we're in good shape. Now, you know, Tim, um, it's not a hard process. I was going to say, she does say she locked it inside her arcade cabinet, so there may be a way for you to kind of pry it open, Tim. We did that with the Donkey Kong, right? Yeah, or sometimes just taking the back door off or some other way, you know, to get in there. Yeah, so you may not need to necessarily drill out the lock. If there's a way that you can maybe just pry the back door open just enough to maybe reach your hand in there and get the spare key out, that may be the, or get the key out, you may be able to do it that way. But if you don't have any luck opening any of the doors on it, then you're going to have to probably drill it out and replace it. So check out our video on replacing a coin door lock for more information. And then, Tim, you mentioned Matt. Yep, it's playing blind, probably a Sanyo or Sharp Monitor in your cabinet. So check the fuses and diodes in the power supply section. Right off, okay? There's two fuses. If it's a Sanyo, there's some diodes in there. Make sure those are all functioning, pro functioning properly. And then move on to the hot and the flyback if you continue to have issues. If you do that, you should be in good shape. So if you need additional help with that, Matt, let us know. We'll help you out. If you have the Sharp Monitor or the Sanyo, you can send us that information, and we can help you troubleshoot whichever one you have. Did we cover it all, Tim? I think so. Okay, well, I'm going to call it done then at that point. And, Tim, at that, at this point, we are done with the questions for this month. But we have your tech tip. And, Tim, I think this is a really good one. And this is actually something that Louie uh, kind of gave us the idea for. And he's here in the chat tonight. So thank you, Louie, for that. But, uh, Tim, why don't you go ahead and uh, tell the people about your tech tip. And I'll go ahead and throw up the slide here for everyone. Okay. The tech tip this month is a board that allows uh, you to run a computer or Raspberry Pi on any JAMA wired cabinet. So it kind of converts your existing JAMA arcade cabinet into two USB joysticks with up to six buttons for player, plug and play with Windows 7 or higher, works with Raspberry Pi. So for uh, $25, you could uh, take your existing JAMA cabinet and upgrade it to that and uh you know make especially if you're going to make a meme or something or you just wanted to run a particular game that you couldn't find or get the board working you could do it that way too now tim it's important to mention and that this does not take into consideration the video output from from your Raspberry Pi or your computer, so you'd still need to deal with that with either like a video converter board or something to that effect. But this does take the, um, basically it maps the controls and the audio. So you'd have the controls and the audio, but you'd still have to figure out something to do with the video. That's that's the downside to this. But it's only $25, Tim. Some of the solutions to do the Raspberry Pi in an arcade can run like $200 plus. Like the RPI-K, Tim, is, is very expensive, the rpi Cade, And I think it does the video too, but I don't know if it's worth the price for, you know, for the amount of work that it does. I mean, it does make it easy because it kind of converts your Raspberry Pi to Jamma, right? But, I mean, for this, for $25, seems like a really good deal for something that's going to give you all of your controls mapped and your audio mapped. And then all you have to do is worry about the audio from there, right? Right. Or, excuse me, the video from there. So um, for the most part, guys, I think this is a really great value. We get a lot of questions from people asking, how do I run a Raspberry Pi in an arcade cabinet? This would be the way, like I said, like we mentioned, the only challenge would be trying to get the video to your, to your monitor. But if you're using a computer monitor anyway, that's not a big deal. So um, for 25 bucks, Tim, really hard to go wrong with this kind of setup, right? Yeah, it'd be great for a test bench or something too. Absolutely. Now, Tim, what if I told you you could get it even cheaper? 
Oh, well, that'd be even better. Well, guess what? Holland Computers is having a sale. Now, this um, product we have, the link actually goes to Holland Computers. And, Tim, uh, we know Bill Holland. We know his team there at Holland Computers. Tim, we love them. We highly recommend them. They have some high-quality stuff. And right now, through July 4th, if you use coupon code JULY4 2020 altogether at, at the time of checkout, you will get 15% off any arcade game parts and purchases. So, the sale ends now... Like our sale starts now through July 4th. So you have a couple more days here uh, to, to get in on this. You get the 15% off. Tim, Holland Computers also sells another thing that we highly recommend. And what is that? Uh, monitors. Uh, well, monitors, but also the um, the awesome JAMA uh, harness, correct? World's best JAMA harness. World's best JAMA harness, exactly. So you can get that from Holland Computers as well. So you can order your, RPAT, your, um, your Raspberry Pi um, USB to JAMA kit and then get the world's best JAMA harness with it, get 15% off all of it, right, Tim? Correct. So great stuff here. So again, guys, use coupon code July4, 2020 at time of checkout to receive 15% off. Now, this is only through July 4th, so make sure you get on this now. But, um, you know, like I said, Tim, I love hauling computers, love Bill. Uh, Bill is a great guy, Tim. And um, I tell you what, Tim, they do some excellent tech support, too. So people, a lot of people may not know that. If you're having problems, if you order something from them, you have problems with it, they will help you out. You can give them a call or an email, and they've got people on staff. They have tech support people on staff that can help you out as well. And so, um, again, just really love Bill and what all everything they do at Holland Computers. Great guys. Cash in on this sale, guys, if you're looking for some parts. Promise you won't regret it. Holland Computers, and, uh, again, you can uh, get the USB to jam adapter or several other arcade parts on sale, 15% off now through July 4th. So anything else about Holland Computers, Tim? No, thanks. Yeah. I mean, they do some great stuff. And like I said, we've worked with Bill a lot on different things and uh, just really uh, appreciate what he provides for the arcade community. Right, Tim? I mean, the parts that they provide, the um, the different the different services. Like I said, they offer tech support and things. But their JAMA harness is the one we did the video on and is by far the best one that we found. Correct? Correct. So there you go. So good stuff, guys. Um, but uh, again, HollandComputers.com. Check it out there. Um, Delusional says Google JAMA for Pi. A guy in KLLV has a new design for $85 shipped. Plug and play into a JAMA cabinet. Output CGA. Wow, that's $85 for for the video conversion part two is a really good thing. So he says uh, JAMA for Pi. So if, if that's what you're looking for, $85 is a really great price for that. Um, Tim, like with our solution, you'd still need a video converter board, which would run you about $30 or $40. So the whole thing together would run you closer to like $65. Um, to do that plus some shipping um, but for 85 if you can get it all in one solution that's also a good deal as well right yeah I think so so there you go um, oh YouTube Punk just made a donation via pa PayPal thank you YouTube Punk as always for donations highly appreciated and remember guys you can donate to the show by going to arcaderepairtips.com slash donate or you can use the little dollar sign button on your super chat there to donate to us as well we highly appreciate YouTube Punk thank you so much for that donation it means a lot um, he says, Raspberry Pi can do video through the um, through the 3.5mm audio jack. Yeah, I think you can get a video cable RCA jack that will hook up through there, Tim. So you can also hook that up as well. Um, let's see. Uh, let's see. We got uh, Denteus says, the TRRS4 audio video jack is composite output, left and right audio. You will need the correct uh, correctly wired cable. That's it. So... 
Uh, let's see what else. Danny says, I have a Raspberry Pi that has 25,000 games on it. A lot of people are using Raspberry Pis for um, for different things, Tim. So, um, you know, it's it's a, um, it's a it really is a multi-tool for that kind of stuff. So um, the Raspberry Pi can do all sorts of cool things, including play retro games. Right, Tim? Yeah. So there you go. And it's small. doesn't have that much room. Correct. Yes, exactly. I mean, it, it's kind of become the new multi-game board in a lot of ways. I know a lot of people still uh, like uh, Pandora's boxes, 60 and ones and things like that. But the Raspberry Pi, you know, gives you a lot of flexibility to configure things yourself, add game lists, customize your front end, a lot of stuff that you just don't get with standard multi-game boards. So uh, let's see. Okay. Um, Eric says he's, he's got a question, but he's going to try next time. Eric, if you've got a question, just give it to us right here, and we'll try to answer it as best we can. Um, guys, we, don't, we aren't able to get around to every question on the live show that we get via email. Sometimes we reply back to those via email. Sometimes we save them for the next live show. It just depends. Um, we typically put the outlines together, Tim, like a couple of weeks in advance. So if you've emailed us in the last couple of weeks and uh, we haven't gotten back to you yet, it's, well, probably because we already, did, we already did the outline, so it was on live show. And, Tim, you've been, like, super busy lately, and so have I. I mean, it's just been um, really busy. I know people think that, you know, we're all quarantined and we've got all, all this free time on our hands now, but me and Tim have both been working full-time. We have not been working at home. We both go to our regular jobs, so um, uh, we do want to apologize if it's been slow getting to your, your uh, questions lately. We're still trying to catch up at all times. So, um, again, but you can always ask it if you're here in the live chat. We can, we can always try to answer it as best we can. Okay, I think we're caught up, Tim. So I think it's time to move into the discussion portion of the show. So the first story we have here, Tim, was a big one that broke since last month. And that is that Chuck E. Cheese uh, approaches bankruptcy, could have to close all stores. Now, Tim, since this article was posted, uh, we actually have found out that Chuck E. Cheese is going to close several locations um, due to the coronavirus and the bankruptcy reorganization. So this information um, is, is kind of incomplete now because of that. But we do know that after months of keeping their doors shut amid the coronavirus pandemic, the popular kids restaurant Chuck E. Cheese may not ever reopen. Chuck E. or CC Entertainment is nearing a billion dollars in debt and is trying to approach lenders for a $200 million loan to keep the business af- afloat, according to the Wall Street Journal. The Texas-based restaurant currently operates 610 locations in 47 states, but had to close its stores when the pandemic struck, making it extremely difficult for the company to raise capital. Because who wants to invest in a company, Tim, that doesn't uh, doesn't make money? Right. Right. So, and that is Chuck E. Cheese right now. So, so Tim. You know, I'm just not feeling debating, and I don't know if it's just because I'm already debating about so many other things with everybody else around me lately, it seems like. I felt like we'd do a discussion on this one. So, uh, Tim, obviously, for those who may not be familiar, you worked at Chuck E. Cheese for a very long time. Uh, How long exactly? I always forget. Uh, 17 years. 17 years. So that's a pretty long time. So, obviously, you have a pretty intimate familiarity with Chuck E. Cheese. And so, Tim, let's go ahead and discuss this in the discussion uh, section tonight. How would Chuck E. Cheese closing their locations affect the coin-operated arcade industry? Okay, so, uh, Tim, this is something, obviously, that may... I don't think we're at risk of losing Chuck E. Cheese yet, but it does seem like something that may be a possibility coming up very soon. So with that in mind, Tim, uh, let's just go ahead and discuss this. Um, So let's say that Chuck E. Cheese does end up going bankrupt, and let's say they have to close down all their locations. How do you think that would affect the coin-operated industry going forward? Well, I think it may, um, you know, for for a long, it may change the uh, the model, I guess you could say, because um, one thing that has saved some locations is, and and I said this, uh, I think to you and maybe to other people, 
I would never design a restaurant now that didn't have a takeout window. Sure. Because whereas it's killed their business because it's not set up, that people don't go and uh, there's no drive-through at Chuck E. Cheese, you know, stuff like that. Uh, and this may not be the only pandemic we ever face in our lifetime. I hope so. And I hope that it ends soon. But we really are going to have to look at the way we do things going forward, uh, whether they reopen and stay around or not. Um, I think that a couple years ago, they were talking a lot about uh, cleaning games every 30 minutes. And this was before there was any kind of virus or anything that we knew of uh, besides just the normal flu and stuff. So I think that, uh, you know, it's going to affect it to an extent. But I would definitely think that you're going to have to have, uh, you can't let the game room carry you. Uh, and, and and that was always good. It's great on labor. It's a great money maker when it's working. But it, you're going to have to have some better food that people would just order takeout from. And that's what it boils down to, John, right? I mean, it's not like a Domino's is hurting during this time not like pizza hut is hurting during this time people are eating pizza they just don't want chuck e cheese pizza let's be honest and be real uh i mean it's okay pizza and they they've discounted it but when you go for the price you know you're paying for, for the entertainment and for all that stuff it's a premium price pizza that's not very good compared to other places if, if pizza is what you want so they're gonna have to come up with a a style of pizza or brand that could, in case the game rooms get shut down, that could survive that. And I don't think that's that's ever been their goal. It's always been an okay pizza uh, that you, you you were there really. It was always a game room that had pizza, not a pizza place with games. Right? Yeah, and I think that's it. And Tim, I think this is where places like Mr. Gaddy's and some other, other um, establishments may have had them beat because you know, those places really do focus more on their pizza, right, than they do on the game room. The game room is there, but it's kind of secondary to the product. They still want the, the food product to be to be high quality. And so, and like you mentioned, Chuck E. Cheese seems like it has fallen as far as the, the food quality has, is concerned, and they have leaned heavily on games. And by doing that, I think it did put them in a bind. So now, as far as how this will have long-lasting effects on the coin-operated industry, if a Chuck E. Cheese goes under, Tim, you can see arcade manufacturers are going to have to change the way that they build games as well, because pretty much with Chuck E. Cheese there, that guarantees them, you know, so many games are going to be sold when they build a new game, because Chuck E. Cheese is going to buy a certain allotment of those games. Chuck E. Cheese is a big enough buyer, just like Dave and Buster's or some of these other ones, that they know that they're going to get a pretty big order from Chuck E. Cheese when they build a new game. But without those sales, Tim, I think it's really going to hurt new game development, because you don't, you're basically losing out on some of those buyers, some of those customers who would normally buy from you, and not only buy from you, but buy from you in pretty big bulk. And so so um, I think a lot of I think some of the arcade manufacturers, redemption manufacturers, will have to scale back. What do you think about that? Oh, probably uh, more than likely yes, because they're definitely not buying anything new. And if they could, who would give them the credit to do it? You know. So I don't know, uh, John. We should mention that there are 610 Chuck E. Cheese's. They're only closing 30 something of them right off the Correct. bat. So. That is, you know, 
90% of their locations are still open and they do hope to get some, uh, I'm sure some assistance and things throughout this time. So if we could get through this there, just because they're filing bankruptcy, doesn't mean that they are necessarily going to close their doors yet, but it would be a step in that direction. Should it happen in the future? It's definitely not good news. Right. Hey, Tim, a billion dollars in debt is nothing to sneeze at, right? No, it's not. I mean, that's a lot and of money. Let, Any way you slice it. They didn't lose a billion dollars in the last two months during COVID either. There's management things happening for a while. Right, and we know the different venture capital groups have been buying the CEC Entertainment brand and that they've tried to do some uh, stock maneuvering, Tim. They wanted to take the company public at one time, and, and there were some other things. Um, it was public at one time. Venture capital company bought them, took them private, right? And they're still private to the state, correct? That is correct. So, I mean, and we know that they wanted to go public, but I think the plans for that got canceled. And so, I mean, there, there's been a lot of this um, venture capital maneuvering, Tim. And, you know, the funny thing is that we saw a lot of that with Toys R Us, too, right? And now you can see kind of where yeah. Toys R Us is. And so that's what really makes me concerned for the future of Chuck E. Cheese, thinking that they, you know, I don't think they're going under, like, right this second or maybe even this year, but it does seem like they're heading in a downward direction at this point. I think so. It looks like I might have left at a good time. Man, you had like the greatest timing ever. <laughs> it, it's almost like you knew, Tim. Tim, if, if Chuck E. Cheese was a stock, you sold at the right time. That's what I would tell you. Yeah. So, I mean. Hey, John, I should that since I'm on my phone, the battery's getting a little low. I'm going to go get my charger. Y'all can continue on, and but I will be back in just a minute. I'm going to catch up with the people in the live chat while you're doing, doing that, Tim. We have a lot of discussion in there about this. So let me go ahead and throw it to them. Uh, let's see. Um, let's see what we got here. I'm gonna I'm gonna scroll back here. So, man, you guys have really been talking. Okay. Oh, uh, YouTube Punk asks, is this Tim's new house? Yes, this is Tim's new house. Tim's broadcasting from his shop tonight, which is pretty awesome. So, um, YouTube Punk, if you're watching, then you'll see that. Um, Outer Heaven says, thank you for all the arcade repair videos. You're welcome. So hopefully you enjoy them and, uh, and uh, continue to watch the live show and other things as we continue to put those out. Um, Eric says he has a Smash TV monitor display. It's beautiful. Plays blind anywhere from 2 to 20 minutes or so. So you're having some high voltage shutdown there, Eric. What you're going to want to do is go through the power supply section of the monitor chassis. If you want specific parts to go through, um, you can get back with us your, with your make and model. We can kind of uh, narrow it down from there. But if you check out our video on troubleshooting games that are playing blind, that'll give you an idea of where to start. But we talked about it earlier, you know, you really want to check fuses, diodes, um, check the hot and the flyback, and then just check all of the parts that are in the power supply section of the monitor. Again, if you have the model and make of your chassis, get it to us. Email us at questions at arcaderepairtips.com. We can give you more advice on that. Uh, let's see. Uh, let's see. Um, then, uh, let's see. I want to make sure I'm saying your name right. Denteus says, yes, uh, there was an update about them selling off all their stuff, Chuck E. Cheese. So, yeah, um, I don't know if they're going to be selling off everything, but at the stores that they are closing, I wouldn't be surprised if we see some closing auctions for Chuck E. Cheese. So um, they try to do... Uh, they tried to do business with adults and wings. Yeah, they are doing wings now, um, and I actually ordered some of those wings the other night, and they're not terrible, but again, uh, kind of like Tim mentioned, food quality has always been kind of secondary to them, to entertainment. The entertainment part has been more important than the food at Chuck E. Cheese, and I think they are paying the price for that now. 
Um, and Denteus also says alcohol. Alcohol would help, I think, in certain cases. Some of the Chuck E. Cheeses in California actually do serve alcohol, right, Tim? Um, most Chuck E. Cheeses here in Texas actually Well, look do. at that. You, you taught me something I didn't know. So there you go. So some Chuck E. Cheeses do serve alcohol. It's not, it's not, um, it, it, so they are trying to go in that direction, but I don't know if it's been very successful for them. Um, let's see. Outer Heaven, if Chuck E. Cheese closes, how would they offload their arcade system, liquidators? Probably to auction companies and liquidators, right, Tim? Yeah, they probably go to auction. Auction sell them all the time. Absolutely. So. Yeah, we used to see Chuck E. Cheese games at Super Auctions all the time. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see more of them popping up at auctions should they close more locations. Let's see what else we have here. Paul Jure's here. He says, hi, Tim. Hey, Paul. Uh, let's see. And somebody says, time to invest in Dave and Buster's. Uh, that's from uh, Four Mile Four Laws. I'll say it like that. Um, you know, Dave and Buster's probably not time to invest in any entertainment companies yet. Right, Tim? But, the, but Dave and Buster's would be a great example of they have much better food, but they didn't set up for takeout and delivery. No, they didn't. So if, if they bought the existing turkey cheese locations and put in a drive-thru or something like that, I could see something like That's how the business model is going to have to change. Right. Uh, Seahorses and Knight says, Redemption Games all day for $10 on Facebook Marketplace if the cheese closes. Actually, we've already seen some of those deals, Tim. I've seen a lot of the, like, um, you know, like long, like, you know, two hours of gameplay for $10 and stuff like that. They're trying a lot of promotions to get people to come back, right? That's the one good deal. Um, and good thing, there are some good deals right now. Right. Uh, let's see. There are going to be a lot of games going for cheap. I don't know how cheap they're going to go because, I mean, they're probably going to go to auctions. They'll go cheap, but there's still going to be bids and things on them if they do uh, auction them off. Uh, let's see. Danny says, great food always first, then entertainment. Yeah, and that's what Dave & Buster's has going for them, right, Tim, is that they do have good food. Um, and they do have an entertainment po portion to that, but their food is, is really good. So uh, let's see. Going through here, Danny says, and the pizza isn't very good. Yeah, exactly. Pizza is not very good. Um, let's see. All the stores that are closing, this is from Dentreus, have high rent. And I think that was the big determination, Tim, on closing these stores. It does seem like all of them were in higher rent areas. And so they're trying to cut costs, um, try to get into lower rent areas, correct? Just Or just the landlord. I know one location in particular, a store that I actually trained in, so... It has been there over 20 years, uh, shut down, and that was the deal. The landlord would not cooperate or work with them. He's like, pay the normal rent or get out, and they just decided, well, we'll get out. Exactly. I mean, I, and I think, I think right now landlords need to be understanding. But if you're not going to be understanding, I think the best the best option is to pull out, right, Tim? Right, especially somebody's been there for such a long time. It's, I, but I, I understand everybody's point of view. The landlord wants to get money. He's got to pay bills. So this is a very uh, unique and tough time to be in the entertainment business for sure. Yeah. Uh, Blake says, I can still remember the smell of and sounds of, of a pizza parlor and Galaga. Oh, for sure. Uh, YouTube Punk says, hi. Oh, okay. Let's see. He's answering a question there. Uh, let's see. Oh, YouTube Punk says buy low. If you're buying, yeah, if you're buying a Dave and Buster's right now, you're buying it pretty low, I would say. So if you do want to invest now, if they come back, I think they're going to do very well. 
Uh, let's see. Um, Eric, I just covered Eric's question. Tammy says, thanks, guys. You are also helpful. I appreciate the efforts to answer any questions. Happy 4th of July weekend. Big fans of you all. Well, Eric, sorry we didn't get to it earlier. I must have missed it. And um, we've got the live chat. Sometimes, um, you know, things scroll really fast. Hard for me to keep up. So sorry we didn't get to that question sooner for you. Uh, let's see what else we got. Outer Heaven says, I bought your original three-disc set. What am I missing on the fourth disc? Tim, we have a whole um, pitch video on that, right? Yeah, there's... A- <laughs> That that's the what the double. That's disc, right. That's right? the double disker. You gotta get gotta get uh, episode or season or whatever you want to call it. Season four. I think um, I think volume four has troubleshooting games that are playing blind, but it not only has that, it has the extended cut of that video, which is twenty to thirty yeah. minutes long and shows literally everything. So if you want more than just the ten minute version of that video, you definitely need to buy volume four. But we do have an entire like commercial for volume four or volume four DVD that you can check out, Outer Heaven. So make sure you do that. It's good stuff. Um, Blake says, so going to my local Chuck, Chuck E. Cheese and asking about their games wouldn't lead to a possible um, sell straight to me, would it? No, they have no control over it. Correct. Yeah, they have no control over over the games. That's done all by the corporate level, right? Yes. Let's see what else we have. Um, Seahorses at Night says, buying all of their big Berthas if the cheese closes. There you go. Outer Heaven says, um, let's, oh, he, he just wants us to give the pitch on Disc 4. So Disc 4 is good. You should get it. It's got, it's double disc. It's got an entire video about um, uh, Mark buying, <laughs> Mark buying uh, uh, arcade boards in Korea, which is fun too. So yeah, let's see what we have here. Uh, let's see. Dentea says a lot of these landlords are charging crazy rent over here. Forty-five North and FM nine sixty to uh, fifty-nine nine sixty. Dentea is in. Um, he's in Houston, Tim. Okay. So he was saying that they they've got some crazy rent. I know that some of the stores. I think they were closing one in Mesquite. I know. I was trying to remember where the other one was. Was it Addison that they were closing one? Allen. Allen. That's what it was. So they are closing some in Texas, but I'm not sure if it was Houston or not. Danny says, I do agree with Tim. Take out and drive through. So there you go, Tim. We got an agreement on that. Oh, uh, Louis says the blooper reel is really good too on volume four. So there you go. Um, Like I said, it's not that I don't want games. I'm just saying it can't be your focus because the next virus or something that hits is going to knock your wind out of your sails. You got to have something else. It's going to, that's where the model's going to change. We've already seen the decline in standalone arcades. Now it's going to be the client of standalone restaurant arcade. Absolutely, and and Tim, I think I think you're right because, you know, with I mean, Tim, the split there, I mean, the split is almost fifty fifty between games and food, right? In a lot of locations, correct? Yeah, for, even higher in games, uh, we would run about sixty percent here in Tyler, but that's because they were all awesome. So yeah, but and, even if you, that means even if you have a drive-through, you're still missing forty percent, or that sixty percent of your revenue. You're only getting forty percent of it, right? And that's if and that's if you return to the levels where you were. Well, what Chuck E. Cheese is gonna what's basically what Chuck E. Cheese is known for is a noisy kids place, and you don't have to get away with that, but maybe. Here's my opinion. If they're going to birthday parties or their bread and butter, they divide those up in a room so you could still social distance and you don't have to have one big showroom with 18 parties going on at one time. That irritates people anyway, and it's crowded. and It's not something we're going to have to do. 
They need to go like Gaddy's had and have the actual party rooms where you and your particular family, which if you're going to get the food or whatever, you're going to get it from them anyway, and you don't mind hanging out with your closest friends, but you don't have to uh, share a big room with everybody. Correct. Something like that's going to have to change. There you go. So let's see what else we have here. Do you think they'll have a big warehouse sale since they also store machines in Central Texas? That's from Denteus. Do you think they will at some point? You know, it's hard to say. Um, I'm assuming that they're wanting to pull through this. and uh, But even the games they have, uh, this is going on for several months now. A lot of them, uh, Tyler was due a game install package uh, probably a year ago. They're way behind on getting new equipment and stuff. So eventually I do see that... Uh, some of those will probably go to more. It'll be like an auction. I doubt they will do it on site, though. They're going to ship them uh, and let somebody else deal with it because they don't want everybody. If you buy a game at a local store, something goes wrong with it, you're going to go back up there and hound them about it, or the average person would, not necessarily us. So they're going to avoid that. Just take it to auction, buy as is, where is, you know, all that spiel they give. Absolutely. Silly Sausage 72 says cheers from California, Tim. Uh, let's see. Danny asks, how long has Chuck E. Cheese been around? 1977, Tim, since 1977. So uh, let's see. Um, YouTube Punk says there's some great uh, blooper reel material from the live shows. <laughs> and I agree with that. That's the nice thing about live, guys. You can't fake it, so. Um, let's see. Yeah. Um, okay. I think we're caught up. So I think we got it guys, but uh, yeah, Chuck E. Cheese going under, I think would be terrible for the industry as a whole. Cause like I said, manufacturers will have to cut back on manufacturing and that means they don't have as much money for research and development. They don't have as much money for a lot of things. And so I'd hate to see it happen, but Tim, I don't know. I'm not going to necessarily say the writing's on the wall, but it's not looking good. Right. Yeah, there's definitely, um, definitely a bad sign the billion dollars in debt is what's concerning me because even if you get a lot of debt forgiveness um their only way they're going to let you out of that kind of money is for you to sell off some stuff exactly to pay and unless they're able to open and provide some strong sales numbers even though our chuck e cheese here is reopened um i don't know their official numbers but i got an idea and just by looking at the number of cars out there, uh, they do on a Saturday, which was the biggest day of the week. Sometimes you would do half your sales for the whole week on a Saturday. They're doing Saturday what we used to do on a Monday or a Tuesday, yeah. which is really well. And you, you know, I went by. I was going to say I went by ours during the week, Tim, and it it was three o'clock in the afternoon on on like a Wednesday which during the summer would be usually pretty busy, right? I mean, you guys would have all sorts of cars out there, but there was not a single car in front of Chuck E. Cheese. They were open. It said we're open, like in big letters, but not a single car, so. Right. So, I mean, even even staying open is one thing. Staying open and generating money is something else, and I don't know that people are really that. Uh, we haven't went, say, for instance, a Chinese buffet. We haven't went there, not because we don't like Chinese we just haven't went to a buffet um, lately because it just didn't seem um, as safe as other restaurants. Although we have went out to eat and sat down, 
um, you know, I think people are still a little leery until we get a vaccine or something. People really, Chuck E. Cheese is going to be one of the last places you think about going. Absolutely. Sadly. So, well, it's sad, Tim, but hopefully they can rebound. We're going to we're gonna send uh, good thoughts to them, and we're just hoping that they can recover. Because, I mean, I think it would be a sad day to see Chuck E. Cheese go under. Tim, it was a, such a sad day to see Toys R Us go under. I'd hate to see another icon of my childhood and several people's childhoods go under as well. So uh, good luck to everybody who's trying to turn Chuck E. Cheese around. Hopefully they can make that turn around pretty quickly. Uh, Tim, Outer Heaven says, your videos rock. Also, I will never say the word chassis ever the same. So there you go. Uh, <laughs> we go back and forth. The The dictionary says we can say it either way. We should say that. So uh, chassis, chassis. Tim, you still go chassis, right? Yeah, chassis. Yeah, there you go. We, we switch it up. Just depends on how we feel that day. So anyway, let us continue on with some more news, Tim. And Arcade 1UP has announced some new cabinets coming up, including X-Men vs. Street Fighter, Big Buck Hunter, and more. And Tim, we took this article from GameSpot. But uh, Arcade 1UP announced its next slate of three and a quarter scale cabinets. The Arcade Cabinet Maker revealed five new machines, including X-Men vs. Street Fighter, Marvel vs. Capcom Clash of Superheroes, Big Buck Hunter, Miss Pac-Man, and a digital Marvel pinball table. Arcade 1UP's Big Buck Hunter cabinet marks the first time the company has made a light gun machine, while Marvel Pinball kicks off its line of digital pinball tables that it first revealed at CES 2020. Tim, what do you think about all of these new additions to the Arcade 1UP lineup? I know that these are probably not as interesting to you. Maybe Miss Pac is, but uh, probably not as interesting to you as the early ones just because they're a little bit later games, more 90s games it seems like in this one. Well, they keep coming out with more games. I'm wondering how they're affording these licenses. But the Miss Pack man was a nice surprise, and I think will probably be a good seller for them. Absolutely, I like how they came out with the Pac Man, uh, all the Pac Man versions before they came out with the Miss Pack. You know, it's kind of like they're purposefully holding it back so they could sell all the Pac Man's first. So um, I understand that though. Miss Pac Man's a much better game, Tim. You and I both agree on that, I believe. So I mean, we love Miss Pack. Um, Pac Man's fine. Nothing wrong with Pac Man, but Miss Pack has the varying mazes and things makes a big difference. So. Um, really like Miss Pac-Man, and that's that's a really good one. But the Marvel vs. Capcom, Tim, in this group is also very nice. Uh, great game. Love Marvel vs. Capcom. So it's going to be great for these for people who are uh, wanting to have this at home and play it on a, a little uh, three-quarter Sega L uh, arcade cabinet. Great stuff. Arcade went up. Tim, still been pretty happy with the quality of their machines. And uh, I've got a whole row of them here, Tim. I, just, I got the Golden Tee I mentioned. I've already hooked it up, played several games on it. Very happy with it. So, um, you know, just because you uh, have the full-size ones doesn't mean you can't have the little ones, too. Uh, good stuff. Uh, and we just want to wish them the best of luck. If any of you guys are thinking about buying one, let us know. Um, Dentea says, are those new machines going to have better parts? Uh, you know what? They actually do uh, continue to in- improve their quality, Tim, uh, with every release. I mean, I think we saw it from the Generation 1 cabinets to the Generation 2. And I don't know if this is considered Generation 3 per se, but I do think the quality is getting better with every build. So there you go. Um, YouTube Punk says, wonder how that light gun works on Big Buck Hunter. Wondering the same thing. Would love to take apart one and see what they're doing to get that to work. If they're, I mean, obviously, Tim, it's got to be probably something more along the, the lines of like a Wiimote because optical uh, sensors don't work so well in LCDs typically. So um, maybe once uh, one comes under review to somebody, we can check it out. Let's see. Um... Yeah, probably wait to do the Miss Pac-Man Galaga 20th year reunion later. I'm sure they will. I'm sure that they're going to they're gonna do that at some point. Because that was one of the best sellers for Namco, for sure, right, Tim? That, that uh, 20th anniversary reunion, Miss Pac-Galaga? Yeah, probably so. So I'm sure we'll see that from Arcade 1UP at some point. 
Now, Tim, we already had some of the people in the live chat allude to this, but Billy Mitchell was back in the news, and Guinness reinstated all of Billy Mitchell's um, uh, records, except for the one that was the most controversial, Tim. They, they kept that one out, and good for them. Uh, but all the rest of them, they reinstated. So Guinness World Records has reinstated a number of classic video game world records held by Billy Mitchell. Uh, the move comes just over two years after Mitchell's records were expunged following an investigation by Twin Galaxies International Scoreboard. That investigation found that recordings of some of Mitchell's record performances on Donkey Kong were not achieved on legitimate arcade hardware based on video analysis that shows signs of emulator use. Twin Galaxies has not changed its position on Mitchell's records, resulting in a split between the organizations. And Tim, more has come out about this, and it seems like there are people who are challenging, um, are now challenging Guinness on his records again. So they may end up getting expunged again. But Tim, my question to you is, um, do you really care that much about this at this point? Or is this just something that we're, we're just kind of following because, you know, we're bored and uh, we're all quarantined? <laughs> Yeah, I'm kind of over it. I don't really care. <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat. I don't, uh, you know, at this point, I'm kind of like, you know, he can keep the records if he wants to. I, don't, I mean, unless there's, like, blatant use of MAME, keep the ones that, you know, he did live and throw out the ones that he did via MAME and let's call it a day and, and just call it done. I don't think there's anything. Uh, I'm kind of tired of hearing about it in a way. So, I mean, I don't know about Let's see how the live chat feels about this. Um, let's see. I don't. Let's see. Uh, Billy back at it again. Good old Billy. Um, that's a load of drama there. Um, let's see. Is that the best picture Jonathan could find? That's the picture that was in the Ars Technica article, if you guys are talking about Billy. Um, but um, I, I enjoyed the documentary King of Kong, and I think that's why we still care about this, Tim, is that most of us who enjoyed that documentary, that the documentary may be the only reason I even know who Billy Mitchell is for the most part. And, I mean, other than that, I don't well, know if, there's a, if I really care about it. I mean, I, I look... There's no doubt in my mind Billy Mitchell is a really good video game player. Is he the best of all time? That's debatable. But he's, I mean, he's still very good. Even if he doesn't have, even if he doesn't have the top scores of all of the different games, he's still very good in my opinion. And so, you know, he's a good video game player. Is he the best? I don't know. But um, that's kind of where I want to leave it. What about you, Tim? I would think so. You know, uh, we we met Billy before and we got to say you could have put a picture of me and him both in there. Doing this. Oh yeah, I forgot you've got um, that one, and I've, I've got I've got one with him signing uh, my King of Kong DVD. So yeah, it was just a I personally it was a decent, nice guy, and uh, easy to talk to, and uh, you know I don't I, I get competitive gaming is is not our deal. So I'm you know I might feel different if I was a competitive gamer and I have a lot of respect for those guys but they are all a little different wired just a little different than us absolutely yeah and so I mean Billy Mitchell's held a lot of scores for a long time and I mean I don't agree with taking away the scores that he he did live because I think live scores should always hold up but I mean the ones that look like they were achieved via MAME should be expunged I, I think that too so I mean let's just let's let him keep the records that he has that were legitimate and throw out anything that looks illegitimate how about that is that easy enough so easy enough there you go um Dentea says he's hanged out with him a couple of times cool guy to hang out with absolutely agree he's a cool guy i mean you know he was nice to us uh you know all the good stuff so i mean you know uh, tim i got a really good nice shot of your ceiling there i'm sorry no, that's okay are, are you okay um i see your pegboard though that's pretty cool oh you can see it behind me can't yeah you? look at that organized man when we shoot our next video people won't know what to think Oh, I, I see. Hang on, I, I see got, a Pac-Man uh, ghost light back there. 
Let me show you something cool while we're on the subject. I'll show you guys something cool I did buy. This was a splurge. Tell me if you know what this is and how can I picture this? Let's see. You guys know what that is? Oh, oh is that a, um, a, a screw size checker thing? Yeah, it's like the, one of the professional ones like you find at Home Depot where it has, you just put a screw in there to see what size it is. Or you screw a nut on here to see what size. Okay, that is super all... duper handy. That, yeah, they have those like when you go to the hardware store, but I never thought about getting one for my house. Right, I hadn't either until I looked it up on Amazon, and I'll tell you how I got it. You know how Amazon's always bugging you to sign up for a credit card and you get like $60? Yeah. This was $57 plus tax. And so I was like, you know what? I'm never going to use their credit card often or I'll just pay it right back. So that was basically free when I uh, signed up for Amazon card. Well, there you go. Now watch me say that after I put in a hot tub and a new pool, and I'll be drowning in debt pretty soon because <laughs> I got this credit. Did you get the Amazon Prime credit card? Yeah. That's what I've got. I love that thing. It's my favorite card by far. Well, I have a Prime card. This was the the new card they're offering. I don't know. I had one, and so they are like, well, if you open up this other account, so now I have two Amazon accounts that I don't need to use with way too much spending limit. But I thought that was really cool. I wanted to show you that. It's one of, the, one of those things guys get. My wife is like, what is it? I don't understand. You know, I'm like, hey, this is like getting me a diamond ring or something. You know, this is cool. And uh, she was like, well, whatever. She, there's two things. I'll, I'll, I won't go into a deep discussion that I got. Was that in a 10 foot ladder because the ceilings here are really tall. And uh, so I told her, I said, you don't know what it's like to have a giant 10 foot step ladder. I'm like, this is some man stuff right here. <laughs> I mean, a lot of people have a step ladder, but do you have a 10 footer? You know, so anyway, she was just like, I'm like, this was like Christmas to me, but. Anyway, I should tell. Should is this a good segue, John, to go and tell? I blew three hundred twenty-five dollars. Yeah. Well, I tell you what. Let me get through this. Uh, let's see how many stories I have. I have um, two more stories, real quick, and then we'll get to that. Okay. So okay. teaser. Three hundred twenty-five dollar uh, story coming up. But let me go ahead and blow through these real quick. Tim, uh, sad news as William S. Session. Sessions, FBI director who battled agency's oldest guard, dies at 90. But, of course, most of you guys probably don't know him for that. Most of you probably know him for the quote, winners don't use drugs. And it was pretty much on every arcade game in the 90s. In fact, if you visit an arcade in the 90s, chances are pretty good that you saw this image or a variant of it popping up on mini track mode screens. Now the name that grace arcade screens across America has passed away at the age of 90. While he, while he seems to have been embroiled in plenty of controversy, these screens certainly put forth something positive to attach to his legacy. Rest in peace, Mr. Sessions. And that's from our friends at Arcade Heroes, Tim. Uh, somebody said uh, winners don't use drugs. Apparently he never met um, Lance Armstrong, Tim, is what somebody told me. So, <laughs> But um, there you go. Uh, William S. Sessions said uh, just, you know, prayers for his family. Hopefully... Um, you know uh, they're doing well but timmy obviously lived a good life uh, or a long life and he's attributed to a, a quote winners don't use drugs so there you go so um we'll continue with that and then tim my last story here is something that we're going uh, we should mention tim no live show tonight or no after show tonight right right so no after show tonight and that is because we are going to be recording our virtual southern fried gaming expo seminar 
after this, Tim. And so um, on the weekend of July 10th through 12th, the Southern Fried Gaming Expo is going to put on a free virtual event that you'll be able to watch on their YouTube page. And uh, Tim, this is from our friends uh, Shannon... Uh, Preston and Patrick. They say, we are working to collect a wide variety of video panels that will be scheduled to release throughout the weekend of July 10th through 12th, 2020. This all new content is not meant as a replacement for the convention, but just as something to keep our gaming family excited and engaged until we can meet in person once again. We plan to release a full schedule next week. We plan to run most videos at scheduled times on both Facebook and YouTube. And Tim, we have been invited to do one of the seminars for the virtual event. So you will have a nice arcade repair tip seminar uh, for the virtual Southern Fry Gaming Expo event. So make sure you guys tune in and watch that. So it's going to be a lot of fun, Tim. And Tim, we have a question on there that's really, really fun. Uh, and I don't want to give yep. it away, but it may be one of my favorite questions that we've ever done. So if you if you want to hear that question, you got to watch the event. I don't know what time that we're going to be going on, Tim, or that they're going to be broadcasting our seminar. But once we know, we'll let you guys know, and then you can watch it there. So, um, But I want to thank the guys just for, for doing this, Tim, because I think it's a really neat way to still engage the people who would have come to the convention, uh, but do it in a safe manner. So. And we're excited to be a part of it, too, right? Yeah. There you go. So, uh, Tim, before you get to your story, I'm going to look through here real quick. Um, let's see. Just look in. I have a modded cab that has a, CPS, uh, a Capcom CPS 2 running inside. Cool. Street Fighter 2 modded to CPS hard. People are talking about Arcade 1-Up, it looks like, Tim. Some different things. And uh, uh, Let's see. Yeah, so they're just talking about how they've modded uh, some Arcade one hardware. So, Tim, we're at the end here. I'm about to give the contact information, but we teased this at the beginning, Tim, and now it is your turn to tell it. Tell us how you lost $325, sir. Well, I did something that probably uh, some of our listeners have done. I made a mistake, um, and it cost me. And uh, so here's my extra tip of the, the week I uh, of course we bought a new house I have my air conditioner unit is up in the attic and I wanted to clean the drain so I poured some Drano and stuff up there and I have two units so one is across the attic and as I'm going and tight rock cross boards I tripped on a wire and uh, guess what happened after that John? You busted through your ceiling yeah, I made a quick entry, exit, escape hatch. <laughs> um, Is that how you pitched it to the wife? <laughs> well, the wife was in the kitchen as I came through the living room, right above the kitchen table. I was thinking if it would have been here in the man cave, it would have been kind of cool. I would have just made a skylight or something out of it, but she wasn't too happy that insulation and sheetrock fell on her kitchen table. Um, so um, that was interesting. I've got a few little nicks and bruises here. To, uh, but uh, mostly hurt my pride because I've almost done that and thought about that and been so careful. But uh, we had a ping pong table that broke in the move. And so I sawed it up and made me some boards up there so it will never happen again, hopefully. Uh, but by all means, um, the, a guy came and fixed it yes, yesterday. Within a couple of hours, he uh, taped it up and fixed it up. It cost me $325. And I'm thinking 
man, I could have bought a game for that <laughs> instead of making a stupid mistake and stepping through my ceiling. Oh, um, some, uh, so we have a lot of uh, responses from everybody here. Um, that's how you christen a new house, you two punk says. Uh, let's see. I had that happen in the 80s, fell on a TV, Denteus says. Uh, let's see. Uh, Denateus. Maybe that's how I said Denateus. Uh, let's see. Outer Heaven. Um, Blake says, ha ha. Uh, I'm going to do that in like, um, in like the Simpsons ha ha voice. Ha ha. Uh, let's see. <laughs> Wife didn't like that, eh? Outer Heaven says. Uh, Dentonea says, you got lucky. So, you didn't... Yeah. Um, uh, Blake says, you just should have put a fire pole in. That's what I thought. Yeah. We can make something cool out there of it. There you go, exactly. She was not up there. Yeah. Um, and uh, Dentonea also says, you need to get some flooring up there. So, um, yeah. fire pole to the arcade machines. Pretty much everybody says you should have done the fire pole to him. <laughs> So. so there you go. But anyway, uh, well, Tim, great story. You know, my dad did the exact same thing, um, but it was in the garage. He was in the attic above the uh, garage, and I think this was when we were kids, and he fell through and had to fix it. I, it happens It happens a lot, Tim. It's definitely something that's very common. Don't feel bad. definitely happens to people. The guy who fixed it, he specializes in just sheetrock repairs like that. He actually, before my house, was fixing another one that had happened, <laughs> and my wife asked him how often, and he says, um, it keeps me well employed, so maybe I need to learn how to repair this. And then he said, but half of it's not husbands. He goes, it's actually uh, air conditioner repairmen, TV repairmen, cable guys. So even people that have a lot of experience walking up there, this still happens to. So that did make me feel a little better but not very much. There you go. <laughs> and I don't think... Still cost you $325, right? I definitely will think about it every time I'm up there or, or doing anything. What's cool is I'll, I'll take some pictures. Maybe we can share on the live show next time. I have a three-car garage. It is all wood floor up there. So you know what I'm thinking. That could be a game room one day. So hopefully... There you go. Well, hey, you've got a nice workshop. Just make workshop game room. That's what we used to have, right? Yeah, it just, you know, it could be bigger. It can be bigger. <laughs> I like it. That That is the correct answer to, to game room. It could always be bigger, right, Tim? Yeah, the garage area is much bigger. There you go. But this would definitely hold about six games, probably. Sounds good. Well, um, well, we're looking. I'm looking forward to seeing it. Hopefully, you get to see it soon. But Tim, it is time to wrap up. So let me go ahead and finish up with some of our normal stuff that we always do. Just a reminder, guys, we want your arcade-related videos. If you want some free advertising for your YouTube channel, we're looking for people to submit short videos, 10, to 10 minutes or less, about arcade-related topics. Send the link of your video to questions at arcaderepairtips.com, and our staff will review it. If we like it, we'll use it when, during one of our live show episodes. Make sure to put a plug-in for your channel so people will know where to find you. We look forward to your submissions. Always, right, Tim? Yeah. So there you go. Very much. So and then Tim, we have our contact information. We have our general email at questions at arcaderepairtips.com. Questions at arcaderepairtips.com. If you want to mention on the live show, make sure you put live show on the subject. Otherwise, we'll try to get it, uh, get around to answering it whenever we get some time. And lately, guys, we've been a little bit slower, like we mentioned, Tim, a little busy at the moment, but we will try to get to it when we can. 
Then we have our YouTube page, Tim. And for those who are watching us live, of course, you're watching us on YouTube. But if you're listening to this on the podcast or via another method, make sure you go to youtube.arcaderepairtips.com to watch all of our live show episodes and videos. Comments from the last live show will be covered on the next episode, Tim. In fact, one of the questions we covered tonight was a comment that was last left on the last live show episode. So youtube.arcaderepairtips.com. Typically, Tim, we would we would have the after show up there, which um, people who are on the podcast feed would not get. But tonight, no after show. So you're not going to have an after show tonight if you guys are looking for that. But you can watch the live stream of this video at youtube.arcaderepairtips.com on demand. And then, Tim, we have our podcast email, and that goes to Eric and Rusty, who we had on the show last month, and still haven't gotten a full podcast from yet, Tim, but hopefully we'll get that soon. But you can write them at podcast.arcaderepairtips.com. Make sure that you tell them that you miss them and you want them to do more podcasts, because that really helps us. We want you to encourage them. Um, But, Tim, you know, I'm sure they've had their hands busy, too, trying to reopen the game preserve, right? Yeah. So um, I'm not going to blame it on them. A lot of stuff going on right now. So uh, hopefully Eric and Rusty will get to another podcast very soon. But until then, you can write them at podcast.arcaderepairtips.com. And then go to their go to their iTunes page and Stitcher pages as well to subscribe. iTunes.arcaderepairtips.com and stitcher.arcaderepairtips.com to subscribe. You can also find us on Spotify. I should mention that. Um, so you, if you search for Arcade Repair Tips on Spotify, our podcast will come up there as well. And then, Tim, we have our social media pages. We have our Facebook page at facebook.arcaderepairtips.com, facebook.arcaderepairtips.com, where our wonderful moderators, Louie and Mark, do an absolutely fabulous job of, of just um, keeping keeping tabs on the latest news and posting it there. But, you guys, make sure that you go to facebook.arcaderepairtips.com and, uh, and uh, follow us there. Or if you'd rather use Twitter, you can do Twitter. Uh, as well at twitter.arcaderepairtips.com. All of our posts from Facebook get cross-posted there. So um, it is a fun place to go. And you can also send your questions to either one of those outlets if you'd rather instead of emailing them to us. So, Tim, that about wraps it up for the regular show. Like we mentioned, though, we are we are going to be recording a special virtual SFGE seminar here right after this with our fit. Maybe one of my maybe my favorite question of all time, Tim. I'm not sure if it's my, my favorite of all time or one of my favorites, but it's definitely a great question. And you guys will just have to tune in to see what it is because we saved it just for that seminar. So make sure you do that. Uh, Tim, before we head out, though, any Fourth of July plans? Doing anything uh, special this weekend? Um, I got called in to work so i get to uh close uh, actually normally i work during the day but i've got to close tomorrow night and fill in for somebody so we'll celebrate watching fireworks from out a drive through window probably well hey at least you got a job and um you know that's something to be thankful for i know you can't be off on independence day but you know it's still good i am actually off tomorrow because of you know because um the fourth falls on a saturday so i have a three-day weekend i'm excited about so looking forward to that and just kind of chilling and and hanging out and doing all that kind of stuff but um i was gonna see if anybody else had anything else going on here um let's see oh um danny says that's right you can always do a bigger and the wife the wife (laughs) complaining too outer says barcade model that's going to be a tough model going forward huh what do you think about barcades going forward tim um, you know, if, if once we get through this, I, that's still, it still has such a draw besides arcade games. And, and I think that that would, will probably be where we see most classic games. Now, 
I doubt you'll see any on location. Absolutely. You know, but, you know, with the bars being closed down here in Texas, Tim, you know, that was a big deal. Um, and, you know, with it being such a social environment, I do think, kind of like Chuck E. Cheese, Tim, it may be a while before we see barcades really come back into their own. Tim, I'm wearing a, a, a shirt from uh, Neon Retro Arcade in California. Tim, they have not been open this entire time. They have been closed down since March. They posted something on their Facebook page saying that um, they're still surviving. They've been able to sell merchandise and some of their extra games and, and stuff like that to stay afloat. But, Tim, how much longer can these businesses stay afloat if they're not allowed to open? I don't know. So... You know, yeah. but it makes it it makes it hard. Yeah. I mean, and here's the thing: even places that have opened are still struggling, guys. So make sure that you support your art, local arcades. If there are arcades in your area, you know, buy a shirt from them. If they are a barcade, if they're doing, you know, uh, to go alcohol, you know, maybe consider that or to go food, consider that because uh, if you want to see these barcades and arcades stay open when when we get back to quote-unquote normal then they need your support now for sure so continue to support arcades all around the country guys and they will appreciate it so much i promise you so um let's see what else we have okay oh and louis says he will be upgrading servers over the fourth of july tim so you're not the only one who's having to work so don't feel so bad so but uh, so it's not a big deal there you go so anything else tim before we head out no, thanks everybody for tuning in. I noticed that uh, Louis said we had some lagging issues and stuff. So guys, we're sorry. We hope to get back to the kind of normal and maybe be in the same room in the next month. But then again, I would have thought we would have been back to that a long time ago, John. And it seems like this is really dragging out. Uh, so we want everybody to know our thoughts and prayers are with you and your families. We hope that everyone is safe, that uh, the spread of the virus is um, on the subside instead of growing again. And I think that uh, whatever your situation is, uh, just hope that you guys are doing okay. Absolutely. And, you know, hopefully, um, I mean, we, obviously we're hoping that all you guys are working or, and are employed, have jobs. If not, you know, just uh, I know unemployment's been extended, Tim, in a lot of different states and a lot of different areas. So just, uh, you know, continue to lean on that until hopefully the economy opens back up and we can all get jobs back. But, um, you know, it's been a, it's been really difficult, I think, for all of us these last couple of months. And we just and like Tim mentioned, our thoughts and prayers are with you. We want you to be safe. Be careful out there during the fourth. Uh, make sure that you're socially distancing like you're supposed to wearing masks like you're supposed to and and try to be as safe as possible, because uh, the sooner we can stop this thing in its tracks, Tim, the sooner we can get back to, quote unquote, normal. And Tim, I so want to get back to normal. I'm about done with uh, the whole social distancing thing. So. Yeah, it's a bummer but anyway guys i think on that note we're gonna we're gonna send it out so thank you guys for joining us again thank you so much for being here for the live show episode 42 will be next month in august tim first thursday night of the month 5 30 central time we look forward to seeing you then now tim i will say this we may do an after show at some point kind of like we did on the other month where we didn't do an after show so if we do we will announce that on facebook and twitter so you guys stay tuned there if you'd like to to see an after show we may do that at some point in the future for this episode but as of tonight no after show tonight guys but thanks again for joining us and remember here at arcade repair tips when we fix the game we play the game take care everybody and we'll see you next month or maybe for a mid-month after show happy independence day to all of our american friends and we'll see you soon
Thank you for watching this episode of the Arcade Repair Tips live show. All of our past episodes are available on our website at ArcadeRepairTips.com or on our YouTube page. This show is intended for entertainment and educational purposes only. Please consult a professional before attempting to repair any coin-operated machines yourself. The preceding program is a Varcade Entertainment production.